as we've gathered in the sanctuary. It's been a while. It's, it's interesting to watch everybody like, where did I used to sit? Trying to find your marks on your pews. But it's so good to see you all here. And what an honor it is that we can gather and worship the Lord. And uh, today is a special day as we uh, celebrate with those who are publicly declaring their faith in Christ here in just a minute. But I just want to formally welcome everyone here. If you're visiting with us today, maybe you're here with family or friends that are getting baptized. Thank you for being here to support them. Um, if you are here and you're visiting and maybe you're looking for a church home, we would encourage you before you leave, uh, first of all, if you'd fill out a guest card, we have one that's in your bulletin. If you got a bulletin or you can stop by our desk in the vestibule, we'd love for you to fill out one of those cards so we can know how we can serve you better. Also to pick up a guest bag, um, we'll have some folks there after the service answer any questions that you may have. But we are so glad that you're here. And today as we do celebrate baptism, I just want to encourage everyone to allow the Lord to search your heart. As we begin, we're going to hear testimonies from many of these individuals. And the uh, Lord may use their words, um, just the picture of baptism, um, to spur you on. Maybe some of you have been scared or hesitant to take that public step. You know Jesus as your Savior, but you need to be obedient. And there may be some here that do not know Christ as your Lord and Savior. Allow the Holy Spirit to search your heart and understand your greatest need is Jesus Christ. So let's turn our attention to the screen as we hear the baptism testimonies. My name is Nicole Barnes and I'm eight years old. I asked Jesus to be my Lord and Savior on June 21st of 2021 and I would like to be baptized today. My name is Archer Lane Medlin, and I believe that Jesus died on the cross for all of my sins. Good morning. My name is Ethan Windsor. I'm getting baptized today to show that the Lord is my Savior, and also to show my kids that how important God is in our life, and we need to keep Him in our life. Hi, my name is Ava Fox, and I'm 11 years old, and I got saved because I trust that Jesus is my Savior and that He died on the cross for my sins. And I love him, and he is my best friend. My name is Emily Barnes, and I'm eight years old, and I asked Jesus to be my Lord and Savior on February 22nd of 2021, and today I'd like to be baptized. Brayden Hyde, I'm 14 years old, I'm getting baptized Sunday, and the reason I'm getting baptized is because I believe in Jesus, and he died on the cross for me, and I follow him for the rest of my life. My name is Zay Combs, I'm 10, and I'm getting baptized because I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. Hi, my name is Camden, and I am 9 years old, and the reason why I'm getting baptized is because I know that God loves me, and I know that He died on the cross for me. Hi, I'm Hannah, and many of you probably watched me grow up or grew up with me. I got saved whenever I was seven years old. However, I was never baptized because I was scared to get in front of our church. And as years passed, I just kept on putting it off and telling myself excuses. However, recently it's been on my heart that I needed to be baptized. And whenever I would watch others be baptized, I would think to myself that I needed to be up there. I also realized that if I wasn't willing to do this simple but meaningful act that God calls us as believers to do, what else was I not willing to do or sacrifice if I wasn't willing to be baptized? So here I am today, publicly dedicating my life to God through Believer's Baptism. My name is Branson and I'm 10 years old and I'm getting baptized because I know Jesus loved me and I know he died on the cross for me. 
My name is Lainey Sue and I'm 10 years old. I would like to get baptized because Jesus died on the cross for our sins and I would like to live a life for Jesus. I'm Risa Cook um, and I was blessed to be raised in a family that valued going to church um, and my parents always walked by faith um, and really showed me what it looks like to have a godly marriage. Um, and when I was in the fourth grade, um, my grandma passed away from a long illness, um, and I remember her death really rocked me. It was the first time I'd ever experienced death, um, and every night I was scared to go to sleep, um, and my mom would talk to me about like why that fear was there and what I was worried of, um, and it turned out that I was worried of dying um, and what would happen to me for eternity, and so she took me to talk to my pastor, which led me to being saved. Um, but as a young child, I was too scared to actually go forth with baptism, um, just afraid of standing in front of the church. And so I continued to put it off um, for quite a long time. And after getting married in May, um, my husband and I have talked a lot about putting Christ at the center of our marriage and what that looks like and what it means. Um, and it just led me to this conviction that I can't say that I am truly living with God and that He's at the center of my life if I can't put aside my fear and my insecurities to stand in front of the church and confess that He is my Savior and that He has died for my sin. And so I'm choosing to get baptized. Man, good morning. We're honored to be able to, or I'm honored to be able to baptize 14 uh, people this morning. The first one's Emily Barnes. Emily, is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Yes. Do you promise to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. Emily, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in his death, raised to walk in newness of life. Amen. Amen. Next, we have her sister, uh, Nicole, and she comes this morning to be baptized as well. Nicole, I'll ask you the same questions I asked your sister. Is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Do you promise to follow him all the days of your life? Nicole, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in his death, raised to walk in newness of life. God bless you. Next, we have uh, Camden Baker. Camden, is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Yes. Do you promise to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. Camden, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in his death, raised to walk in newness of life. Amen. <laughs> Next, we have Lainey Steele. Laney, is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Yes. Do you promise to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. Laney, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in his death, raised to walk in the midst of life. 
Next, we have Ava Johnson. She's been waiting a year to get baptized over here, so we're glad to baptize her. Ava, is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Do you promise to follow him all the days of your life? Ava, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in his death, raised to walk in nearness of life. We have Hannah Brock. We just want to say a special shout out to her dad, Freddie Brock. He's in the military, and I know he may not be watching it live, but he'll be able to watch it. He's watching. Hey, Freddie. Everybody say hey to Freddie. We really appreciate his services. Freddie's a buddy of mine. And Hannah, I'm really honored to baptize you this morning. You got taller. So here we go. <laughs> Hannah, is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Do you promise to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. Hannah, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in his death, raised to walk the rest of life. God bless you. Next, we have Risa Cook. Risa, is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Yes. Do you promise to follow him all the days of your life? Risa, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in his death, raised to walk in the name of God. Next, we have Gwendolyn Cothran. My granddaughter has a baby doll named after her, so she's near and dear to her heart. Gwen, is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Yes. Do you promise to follow him all the days of your life? When, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in his death, raised to walk in the midst of life. Love you. <laughs> next, we have Archer Medlin. Whoa, be careful, buddy. It's all right. It's okay. Hey, I really appreciate being a Megan. Uh, I was Megan's youth pastor in the 90s, okay? Trying to date myself, and I really appreciate... You all's faithfulness to these tales of Baptist Church and to your children. Archer, is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Yes. Do you promise to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. Archer, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in his death, raised him all communities of life. God bless you. Brother. Next, we have Zay Combs. They came up to me after one service, probably about two or three weeks ago, and prayed to receive Jesus, and I'm honored to baptize him this morning. Zay, is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Yes. Do you promise to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. Zay, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in his death, raised to walk in the of life. God bless you, brother. Next, we have Branson High. Branson came to my office Wednesday with his grandmother, and he prayed to receive Jesus Christ. As broken as a young man as I've ever prayed with, so I'm honored to baptize him this morning. Branson, is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Yes. Do you promise to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. Branson, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in his death, raised to walk in the of Next, we have his brother, Braden. He came as well. Honored to baptize these young men. Braden, is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Yes. 
Right here, boy. Oh. <laughs> Do you promise to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. Braden, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in his death, raised the law for me in his life. Chad Curley. Chad, is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Yes. You promise to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. Chad, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in his death, raised to walk in his life. God bless you. Brother. Last but not least, we have one of Alexander County's finest, Ethan Windsor. Ethan, honored to baptize you this morning, brother. Is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Yes, sir. You promise to follow him all the days of your life? Yes, sir. Ethan, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in his death, raised the walk and newness of life. God bless you, brother. Uh, before I pray, I'd just like to say this. We're going to have another baptism in here, March 26th. So if you uh, would like to be baptized, please contact the church office. We have four or five that couldn't be here today. So isn't that a blessing? Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. I'd also like to mention that at the end of service, as soon as I give the invitation, many will come forward to join. So if we, con if we talk to you about that, please, as soon as I give the invitation, come up. Let's pray together. I uh, just want to say this to everyone who had a loved one baptized, we appreciate you and trusting us with them. I'm honored to baptize every person I baptized this morning. Uh, just, just so thankful to be a part of this. Father, let's pray. Let's pray. Fathers, we come to your prayer. We want to tell you that we love you, Lord. Thank you so much, Lord, to see the stern of these baptismal waters. Lord, it is a picture of our relationship to you. I want to thank you for every young girl and young boy, woman and man that was baptized this morning. Lord, I pray that you'd use them for your honor and your glory. Lord, I know that you have a great plan and purpose for their lives. And Father, I pray that as a church, that we do everything with the resources we have to help them to grow spiritually. Lord, I'm excited to see how the kingdom's going to grow because of their salvations and because of their baptisms. And Father, we want to thank you for that. Lord, I'm honored to baptize them and pray that you would just continue to bless their lives and their families. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people say together.
Sure is good to see everybody here this morning. Uh, it's been good to have baptism this far. I want to say um, probably 60% of those went to camp with us over the past few years. So uh, just a shameless plug for summer camp. Uh, sign up now, 3rd through 12th grade. Uh, all of you can go. So just wanted to throw that out there this morning. We're all going to recognize uh, our first and second graders this morning. Typically every year we give a Bible uh, to our first graders. Anybody in here still have their first grade Bible? Anybody? I know... It's quite a few. I know Heather Miller said, yeah, I still got mine. So first grade Bibles, we do that every year. And last year, I think we were maybe in the parking lot still. And so we're going to also include our second graders this morning. So guys, when we call your name, you're going to come up and grab a Bible from Amber. Where's Amber at? Here she comes. Uh, she, she's going to hand you your Bible. And then if you will, just stand right here. And we're going to pray for you real quick. And then we'll have your parents stand up and you can go back to your parents. Okay, so um, first and second graders, come on up when your name is called. The first one is Miss Emily Barnes. And her sister, Nicole Barnes. 
Mr. Cameron Beal. Miss Sophia Bentley. Mr. Colton Dalton. Miss Ivy Fox. Jonah Gwaltney. Not here. Uh, Houston Hanshew. Miss Holland Hauser. And Jackson Scoggins. And Jackson Steele. Macy Walker. Miss Paisley Winters. That's good right there. All right, if you will join me in prayer, let's pray for these guys. Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, we're thankful for the opportunity to be able to give these uh, brand new study Bibles to these first and second graders. Lord, we pray that they would use them, that it would be uh, a great tool for them to use as they uh, enter into, uh, go through their childhood and into adolescence, God, and Lord, we do want to pray that each one of these kids would be an arrow that would be shot out from this place that would go and they would change the world for you. And Lord, if there's anything that we can do as a church to come alongside of them and encourage them in their walk with Jesus, may they, those ways be known to us so that we can come along and serve them. We want to pray for their parents as well, Lord, as they try to raise them uh, in this world that we're living in right now. And Lord, just give them guidance, give them wisdom uh, as they try to disciple these kids. And Lord, uh, if anything we can do to, to come alongside the parents, Lord, and to, to serve them as well. Uh, make that known to us so that we can serve them. Um, Lord, again, thank you for this opportunity we have uh, to be able to present these Bibles this morning. Lord, we ask they'd be uh, world changers for you. And we ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, parents, if you will, stand up so they can find you and make their way to you. Go ahead and find your... Some of them's in the balcony. I see the winter's up in the balcony. As they're finding their parents, as soon as they... There's one way back there. To the left, to the left, to the left, to the left. All right, if you will, stand up with us. And we're going to go on with the service and worship.
you'll just remain standing. This is a time in our church that we set aside for prayer. And here in just a moment, we're going to invite you to come to the altar if you'd like to. I got a text from Kendra Presley this morning. Sandra has 30 more days at Duke, and she wants to thank everyone for praying for her. And we're going to pray for her here in just a few moments. Also, Dinah Purser uh, is still at Catawba Hospital for at least two to four more weeks, I think. So let's remember her in prayer. I want to encourage you to take advantage of this time to come as a family, as an individual. Whatever you'd like to see God to do in your life, in the life of your family, in the life of your church, in the life of your community. We'd encourage you to take advantage of this time. So as the praise team leads us, you meet me here at the altar and then Mark's going to pray with us this morning. Thank you. Father, we need you every hour. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you walk with us through life. Lord, we want to thank you for those who followed you in obedience and baptism this morning. Lord, because it's just a picture of our faith, of the death and the burial and resurrection of our Savior who lives within us. And Father, we want to thank you for that this morning. Lord, we're blessed to be able to see that and to experience that. And I pray you'd bless them as they walk in their in their faith, and encourage them in this life, Lord, to share Christ wherever they go. And Father, I want to I just want to thank you this morning. I want to thank you that, Lord, that you're a God who hears us and you answer prayer. Father, I pray for Sandra, her family. I pray you continue to be with her, uplift her, and give her strength and, and, and health and peace, and just touch her and uplift her. Father, we thank you this morning that, God, we want to thank you for your presence. We want to thank you for your glory that comes down and fills us with yourself. Lord, we take for granted who you are in our lives. And Lord, help us to live up to our birthright in Christ. And Lord, we want to thank you that we have a right and a privilege to come before your throne with liberty and freedom. And that God, that you hear us. And God, that you answered prayer. And I pray you'd answer these prayers according to your will. In Christ Jesus this morning, as people are here pouring out their concerns, you said to cast your care upon you, for you care for us. And Father, we want to thank you that you do care. Not only do you care, but God, that you hear, and God, that you answer. And you intercede on our behalf, and we don't know what to pray for ourselves. You pray for us. You intercede according to Romans 8. And Father, this morning, we thank you for who you are. I pray you'd bless this time. Lord, as we worship you, Father, may we forget this world, and Father, may we look to the world that's coming. Father, may we look up to our redemption that draweth nigh. And Lord, may we be prepared, Lord, to meet you. And Father, I pray you would begin to pour out your spirit on every heart here, every home. And God, do a great work here. And Father, may you be glorified in everything that's done for the preaching of the gospel to the singing of the psalms. And Father, we love you. And thank you for being with us today. In Jesus' name, everyone say, Amen.
and thank you, choir. If you have your Bibles, turn to Revelation chapter 21. The title of the message is Better Days Are Coming. I guess it was, I don't know how many years ago, it was a long time ago. Not a long, long time ago, but I got a call in the middle of the day, which is kind of unusual. Most of the time when I have tragic calls, they're late at night. And I got a call and I heard about something that tragic that had happened. And I knew the family well, like in Alexander County, we know most people, don't we? And so I made my way to the hospital, and they ushered, uh, when I got there, the person over the ICU says, are you the pastor? I said, yes, they come on back. And I knew then it was bad. Went back there, I was with the mom and dad and their loved one, and within five minutes, their loved one had passed. Hospital was packed with people from Alexander County. And I remember trying to give as much comfort as I could to the family, prayed with the family, and I remember driving myself back home all by myself and I was broken for this family bawling my eyes out all right and this passage I'm about to read to you came back to my mind I thought you know what there's better days coming a few years ago I was at Duke Hospital with my brother with his dear wife for 52 days on the ninth floor 52 days and I watched her to go going from a picture of health to dying what could you tell your brother? This is what I told him. Brother, I love you. Better days are coming. I don't know what you're going to face this year. Some of us, it's going to be smooth sailing. Aren't you thankful for those years? And then some of us, your life's going to be like this. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially. It happens, does it not? Listen, I average between 25 and 30 funerals a year. Every funeral I do, I know the person. Never take it lightly. I've left graveside after graveside thinking to myself, Lord, this is true. Better days are coming. And I want to encourage you this morning to let you know that better days are coming. If you'll stand with me, we're going to read verses 1 through 8. And as the old theologian said one time, we've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. So we're going to hurry up. Revelation 21, John says this, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said this. This is the great invitation. Behold, I make all things new. Look at the word new. We'll talk about that in just a moment. And he said to me, write, for these words are faithful and true. And what God is saying there is this. If you don't believe anything else, you better believe this. If you don't believe anything else that somebody tells you, you better believe this, because this is truth. God says, these words are faithful and true. Verse 6, and he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give the water, fountain of water of life freely to him who thirsts. That means that invitation is open to you today. Doesn't matter who your mommy is or who your daddy is. Doesn't matter how you're raised. And I get tired of hearing about everybody's catalog of sins, saying how bad they are. All right? God don't care. God knows all about you. When I go into prisons, I tell the prisoners, God knows all about you, buddy. You ain't, you're not going to impress me one bit. All right? God gives of the water of life freely to him who thirsts, he says. Verse 7, he who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my people, and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexual immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part 
in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Which means this, for God's children, better days are coming. But if you're not God's child, better days are not coming. You better listen to this preacher this morning. You can leave this service this morning lost, but you will not leave this service unloved because Jesus loves you to the point that his son died nude in front of his mama and bore God's wrath on your behalf. That's an amazing thought, isn't it? As a 20-year-old young man, it grabbed my heart and would not leave me. I would sit in services like this. I sat on this side. Sunday after Sunday, God gripping my heart under conviction, and I would not respond. Look at verse 8. Look at that word cowardly. That's the one sin we're going to talk about this morning at the end of the service. And I hope I'm not looking at any cowards this morning. I was a coward for years. Not one anymore. Fathers, we come to you in prayer. We want to thank you for your word. Father, I'm so thankful, Lord, that regardless of how good or bad life gets, better days are coming. Father, there are people in this room and they probably feel like giving up. But Lord, encourage them through the Holy Spirit. But Lord, better days are ahead. And then, Lord, if there's anyone here this morning who is not lost, Lord, I pray that through the Holy Spirit's work and through your word, Lord, you'll save for your honor and for your glory. And Father, we'll thank you and praise you for the things that you alone can do. In Jesus' name, I pray and all of God's people said together. Amen. The first thing I see here is a new heaven and a new earth. Look at the word heaven. That word heaven does not mean heaven like if you die today, you go to heaven. It means the atmosphere. It means space. John says, I saw a new heaven. The Old Testament prophets prophesied about this. Isaiah, 700 years before Christ was born, prophesied this. See, God says, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. Look at verse 1. Isaiah 66, 22 says, As the new heavens and the new earth that I make will endure before me, declares the Lord, so will your name and descendants endure. Jesus said this in Matthew 24. Heaven and earth will pass away. This heaven and this earth will pass away, but my words will not. What John sees is breathtaking. Billy Graham put it this way, a new heaven and a new earth. This will be God's gift to us for all eternity. It will be ours to explore, enjoy, uniquely cultivate, travel in, and discover. Why do we need a new heaven? Because this heaven is tainted by sin. Satan roamed in this new heaven. Jesus said Satan is the prince and power of the air. As a matter of fact, in Isaiah, the Bible says this about Satan. How you are fallen from heaven, O shining star, or Lucifer, son of the morning. You have been thrown down to the earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world. For you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountain of the, of the God so far away in the north. I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high. We need a new heaven because this heaven is tainted by sin. John is saying that I saw a new one. Look at the word new. That doesn't mean new in time. It means new in quality, new in character. It means to renovate. It almost means to save. Paul told us in Romans chapter 8 that all of creation... Not just the earth, but all of creation groans for redemption. This whole earth that we live on has, is groaning for redemption because this earth is cursed. John saw a new heaven. Think about how beautiful this heaven is. When you see the stars and the other planets, and you can go to NASA and look at all this. Think about how beautiful it is. God says that's nothing compared to what's going to be. Then he saw a new earth. This earth has been cursed. God told Adam in Genesis 3 after... His sin and, and Eve's sin, he said then to Adam, he said, Because you have listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful tool, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. 
It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you'll eat your food until the return till you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and dust you will return. Because of Adam's sin, a lot of times you hate your job. <laughs> you just do. Or you want to retire early. The old earth has not been designed to last. The first heaven and the first earth will pass away. God promised Peter and Noah. He said, I will not destroy the earth with the flood again, but I will destroy it with fire. And just as God used the elements of the earth above and below the earth to flood the earth, he'll use those same elements to destroy the world and recreate it. Listen to what one Christian scientist said. He said, the earth we live on is about 25,000 miles in circumference and 8,000 miles in diameter. The earth is formed like a hollow ball with an outer shell or crust and a liquid core that is seething and boiling in the center of the heart. Temperatures are estimated to be as high as 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit, which is about the same temperature as the surface of the sun. You're walking on that, by the way. In some places on the earth's crust, the molten, superheated elements are near the surface, and the pressure becomes so great that suddenly a piece of the crust blows apart. This usually occurs at a mountain whose roots reach into the cauldron of fire, which we refer to as a volcano. Suddenly, millions of tons of burning rock and earth are blown into the sky, shooting flames hundreds of feet into the air, emitting a stream of glowing, burning lava, as well as sending ash into the sky for miles around. He goes on to say this, My friend, every hot springs is a warning. Every spouting geyser of steam is a sermon. Every volcanic eruption is a reminder that inside this whole earth is a sea of fire. These tell us that God knew exactly what he was talking about when he promised Noah it would flood one day. And he knows what he's talking about when he promises that planet Earth would disappear in a fiery explosion one day. Earth is a ticking time bomb. Think about the fact that mankind walks around on an outer crust of a planet on which he's working, building his home, conducting his business, taking his vacations and making his plans while living on a boiling, seething planet which God has actually designed to one day literally explode and burn away. Look at the word pass away in verse 1. That means it was this way and now it's this way. It was this way, now it's this way. The first heaven and the first, first earth, we find the fulfillment of Jesus' predictions where he says, For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till it's fulfilled. Notice this, it also says there's no more sea. Do you realize that the salt water in the ocean literally keeps us alive? Study it. All the pollutants that come down on the earth eventually make its way to the ocean, evaporates into the air, comes back down as rain, and it's just one big cleansing thing that God has for us. Another Christian scientist said this, a primary characteristic of the new earth, as verse 1 reveals, is the absence of a sea. This would automatically change the climate, the atmosphere, the lighting conditions, it is impossible for the human mind to comprehend the great transformations which will take place in a new creation. The sea in the past has been a barrier and also a border for mankind, which in some cases has been good, in other cases bad. However, the, by, disappearance, by the disappearance of the sea, the population of the earth can be increased many times over because of the now expanded new earth. Land surface, about 71% of the earth's surface is water covered. And the oceans hold about 96.5% of all the earth's water. In the new creation, it will not be needed. Notice the second thing, the holy city. John said this in verse 2. Then I, saw John, then I, John, saw the holy city, 
the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. He calls it the holy city. Jerusalem is called in Psalm 48, the great city of the king. In Psalm 83, it's called the city of God. Isaiah calls it the faithful city. Isaiah 52 calls it the holy city. Two things about this city. The first thing is notice the word prepared. That's the perfect passive tense, which means having been prepared, which means it's prepared now. But you could probably say your loved ones are there. Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. If, I, if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to, there's a word, prepare a place for you. And then it's coming down. It's ready now, but it's going to come down. Abraham looked for this city. In Hebrews 12, the Bible says, You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. Same, same thought process. To countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering, you have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God himself who is the judge over all things. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven who have now been made perfect. The holy city, the new Jerusalem, which is holy without sin. Now notice this, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Why would God put that? How many of you ever been married? Good. How many of you are still married? I'm just kidding. When I, when, I, when I have a wedding here at East Hills Baptist Church, they'll seat the grandparents, they'll seat the parents. Me, the groom, and the best man typically come out that door. We come here and I stand right there. Wedding party comes in. Ring bearers, flower girl. The door's shut. The tension is heightened. Guess who everybody's looking at? The groom? Don't nobody care about you? I, by, by the time the bride gets in, I done forgot his name. That's why I put your name down in my... Am I, am I, what, what do they see? They see the bride. Here she comes. And then I look at the groom. And you don't see a grown man cry? You let him look at his wife in a wedding dress. Man, it's amazing, isn't it? The joy. You see mama's crying. You see daddy's clenching their fists. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> She's marrying that pervert? No, I'm just kidding. And then, but look, what God is saying is this. When you see as a Christian this city, which is mentioned in Revelation 21, 9 through 21. Beautiful. Beautiful. Walls of jasper, street of gold. And your loved ones may be there now. It's coming down out of heaven. Prepared as a bride adorned for a husband, you're going to be in awe. You're going to be in awe of all that God has. This holy city is wonderful. Got one throne. One that sits on it. There's one superstar in heaven, and that's Jesus. He's the most important thing. But not only that, but look at this, God will dwell with us. Notice verse 3 on the screen. The Bible says, and I heard a loud voice, that means mega voice, the whole universe can hear from heaven saying, behold. That word is used over and over and over again in the book of Revelation. It says something's changing. Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. Think about that for a moment. When God first walked with Adam in the Garden of Eden, they had unhindered access, then sin entered. Then God dwelt with Israel in a tabernacle, just his spirit. Later, the temple. Later, Jesus came to earth and tabernacled among us. Today, Paul says, God does not live in man-made temples, but lives in us. But here's the most incredible thing about heaven. The God who saves you will dwell among you. Isn't that amazing? See, Paul says, now we see through a mirror dimly. We have faith. But one day, our faith will become sight. In Revelation 22, it says you'll see him face to face. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine? Imagine the most famous person you ever met. How did you feel? 
Now multiply that by a million. And you're meeting with the Lord. You're meeting God. You're standing in His presence. Jesus said this on the Sermon on the Mount. He said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. That's a promise. God will dwell among us. He will pitch His tent among us. One pastor put it this way, and in this day, the people of God will no longer pray our Father in heaven, because for the first time since Genesis 3, God will be back on earth, dwelling in and among His creation. The central theme of Revelation 21 is our dwelling with God forever, and that dwelling comes with great blessings connected to it. Jesus Christ said in John 14, I will come back and take you to be with me, that where I am, there you may be also. God will dwell with us. The fourth thing, which is so important to me, is this. The former things will pass away. Notice verse 4. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible. And God will do this. Look at the word wipe away every tear. That means to obliterate. That means to remove, to remove totally from a previous state with the outcome of being blotted out or erased. When I think about tears, I'm reminded of what King David said, one of the great warriors in the Old Testament. He said, you keep track of all my sorrows in Psalm 56. You have collected my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. In this period of David's life, he was completely alone. This made him value the sympathy and care of God all the more. And he found great comfort in the thought that God had noted his misery. But there are no tear bottles in heaven. I remember being with the elderly couple. The man was dying and the lady was by his bedside. They had that hospice bed in there. Been there plenty of times with families. They were crying. I was crying, of course. I cry all the time, by the way. He looked at her and he said, Honey, you know what this is? And he done like this. He said, It's the last tears I'll ever cry again. It is. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death. Praise God. Aren't you thankful? Listen, everything about you right now, do you realize that you're dying right now? You're dying. You're in a state of decay. Paul said this. He said, the outward man is perishing, but the inward man is getting better. He said, the outward man is perishing. God told Adam in, in Genesis 2, you will surely die. You're going to die. Job called King Death the king of terrors. The psalmist said this, what man can live and not see death? Think about that. I joke all the time at funerals. The psalmist says, what man can live and not see death? Can he deliver his life from the power of the grave? And I said, you know, I do my best to stay in shape as best I can. Doing better than I was. But I'm just going to die healthy. I'm going to die. You're going to die. It's going to be this year, next year, the next, or the next. You're going to die. Adams, Alexander, Chapman's, Bennett's, Drums. I know all the funeral homes. Been to too many. Been to too many. I'm so thankful that in heaven there's not going to be one. No hearses, no caskets, no cremation. Aren't you thankful for that? No more death. Does anything hurt like death? Nothing. Jesus called it the last enemy. Not only that, but listen to what John MacArthur said. He said, heaven is perpetual, a perpetual, ongoing, never-ending, never-dying. Even at the molecular level of life, your body and mind will be as active as God commands, but it will never experience fatigue or wear or tear. This means no more weakness, disease, or decay. Not even a cavity. And the coffin, the funeral, the grave will be things forgotten. The word goodbye will never be heard again. Aren't you thankful? Former things have passed away. That means the old order of things are gone forever. I'm so thankful. Notice the word sorrow. That means suffering. 
suffering. I, I can think of all the Christians worldwide who face persecution, even death. Think about that for a moment. Do you realize that overseas, more Christians are dying now than ever have in the history of the world? What do you tell somebody like that? Who's dying for their faith? Nobody stopped me from coming to church this morning but me. The only guy that can stop Jamie Steele from showing up at church on a Sunday morning is Jamie Steele. Nobody else will stop him. Hmm? Nobody else. Aren't you thankful you live in a great, great country where you have freedoms? Do you realize people are dying today as we read the Bible and pray? and It's just amazing, but no more there. Then he says there will be no more crying. I like what Stephen Davies said. He said, is this not redundant? He's just mentioned tears. He says, this reference to crying is another Greek word entirely. It's the word, and he lists the word krog, which references to shouting or screaming. You ever heard shouting or screaming? I have a bunch. My office has heard a lot. Shouting and screaming. Shouting and screaming. That's why we try to soundproof my office. You never know what's going to come through those doors. Shouting and screaming. This is literally someone crying out in either grief or anxiety, real or imagined. Listen, in heaven there's no depression. There are no counselors. There's no seventh floor. Matt Catawba, you ever been there? Tough. I have. There's no South Campus at Fry either. You ever been there? I've been there with church members. Yep. There's no Broughton. You ever been there? Boy, I have. Tough. Not in heaven. The former things have passed away. Aren't you thankful? Listen, there's better days ahead. There are better days ahead for God's people. And then look at the word pain. There's no more pain. Think about your bodies. Think about... God said this, I will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. No more pain, no more disease. Think about all the medicine we have to take. No more hospital visits. Some people, I know people that live with constant physical pain. I can't imagine. I put a muscle in my back two years ago. Couldn't even hardly move. It about incapitated me. I didn't know what I was going to I couldn't even put my pants on. I had to preach that morning. I sat, on that, I sat right there beside Kevin and said, I don't know if I can get up. <laughs> but I made it up, right? I couldn't imagine living that way. Mine was going away. Some people live that way. Think about it. Some people are in constant physical pain. Some people are in constant emotional pain. They can't help it. Can't help it. Nothing they can do about it. They wish they could, but they can't. Constant emotional pain. Think about this. Not in heaven. Every day is joyous. Every day is good. You will feel great every day and every moment. Look at verse 5. Jesus said this. Behold, I'm making all things new. All things new. Everything is new. Nothing's outdated. Nothing ever goes out of date. All things are new over and over again. Think about that. I have the iPhone 12 somewhere. Right there it is. They have a 13 out now. That's outdated. Isn't that amazing? You remember? Isn't it amazing how styles go out of date? How many of you remember parachute pants? You people need to get some culture. All right? Parachute pants, it's not, don't wear them today, okay? And don't wear pajama pants to Walmart. Amen? Let's all say amen on that. Isn't it amazing how things, things go out of date? Listen to what one scholar says. The second law of thermodynamics states that there is a natural tendency of any isolated system to degenerate into a more disordered state. You go from good to bad. It's just the law of thermodynamics. Things will always move from order to chaos, never the other way around. But in heaven, that doesn't happen. Nothing will ever wear out or decay, and no one will age anymore. Everything is constantly new. New. I remember having a 1996 Toyota. This was in the 2000s. 
It was primered. Didn't have an air condition. All right. Every hospital I made was in that Toyota. Didn't have an air condition. And I remember when I get it washed, you know what I'd buy at Walmart? New car smell. I put that in there. Okay. One day, Lord. One day. New car. You know, in heaven, everything's new. Everything is new. Nothing wears out. And then the final thing is this. And I'll close. Notice the invitation. This is the invitation from Jesus to you. Now look what he says. And he said to me, isn't it amazing how the gospel just rings throughout eternity? He says this. It is done. When he was on the cross, he said it is finished. Now at the end of time, he says it is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of water of life freely to him who thirsts. Why is it free? Because he paid the price. Jesus went to Calvary, bore my sin penalty. Jamie Steele was guilty before God. Bore God's wrath on the cross, rose the third day so I could freely give my life to Jesus. October 30th, 1990, a mile from this church, a man from this church shared Jesus with me and I repented of my sin and my place my faith and trust in him. You know how much it costs? Zero. Isn't it amazing how we're really sketchy about people giving us free stuff? We had a concert about five or six years ago. We had nine, almost 900 people get tickets. We didn't charge them. 400 people showed up. If we would have charged $10 a ticket, all 900 would have showed up. Isn't it amazing? People are kind of, I don't know about this free stuff. It's free. Why do people not get saved? Look at verse 8, and I'll close with this. Look at the word cowardly. You know what that means? Fearful. Fearful. That's why some of you men, look at me, men. Men. I love talking to men. Men. Talking to the men. Look at me. I used to go to church with my girlfriend. I was 20. Never been to church in my life, really. Sat on this side, heard the gospel. Heard it. Under conviction. 20-year-old. And I was a pagan heathen, is what I was in Alexander County. And I heard the gospel. I was under such conviction. I remember Larry Blakely saying this. I didn't know anything about church. Didn't even know how to read a hymnal. He said, if you know of anybody in this church, he said, every head bowed, every eye closed. I thought, this is weird. Y'all are closing your eyes. I was looking around. Everybody had their eyes closed. If you know anybody that's lost, you want to pray for them, raise your hand. My whole row went up. And I looked at them and thought, I wonder who they're talking about. <laughs> Man, can't wait to get home and find out about this guy. It was me. Listen, next Sunday, same thing happened. Guess what? It's like God was doing this. You ever had that happen? I was like, what? Why are you talking to me? I thought, is everybody going through what I'm going through? Friday nights out with the boys, guess what I talked about? Church. They said, what's wrong with you still? I mean, I don't know. Something, something's messed up in here, I said. Next Sunday. You know why I didn't go forward? Look at that word in verse 8. Fearful. Cowardly. Coward. Am I looking at any cowards this morning? I hope not. I hope not. Isn't it something about a grown man? Gets scared at church. Look, let me tell you something, men. Some of you have never been baptized. I was baptizing 10-year-old girls up there. You looking at me? 10-year-old girls and they're grown men who can kill a deer and skin it in 30 minutes, afraid to get in water for 30 seconds. Cowards. I'm amazed at the number of men who will not bring their children to church in Alexander County. You do everything else. Most important hour of your week is church somewhere. I tell people that come to our new members class, if you're not coming here, go somewhere. The most important hour, one hour, 52 hours a year maybe with your kids. 
Men, let your children see a daddy who loves Jesus. Amen? Don't be a coward. I talk to so many men in my office, and I want to say this. You're just a coward is what you are. Man up. Get up. Get to church and be an example for your family. Amen? Don't be a coward. If God, if God has saved you, the next step of obedience, I don't care if you were saved. Listen to Hannah Brock. She got saved when she was young. Under conviction. Do you not admire that young woman? She's not a coward. Not a coward. When they would give her the invitation at Millersville Baptist Church, you know what Jamie Steele became? Coward. But I tell you what God did. God got me in a place, talking to a counselor, and he shared Jesus. And I got saved. My life would have been a lot simpler if I had just responded at the invitation. Listen, this is your time. This is the invitation. I want you to stand with me as our musicians come. People will be coming to the altar. We're going to ask you to come this morning if you want to join East Hazel Baptist Church. If you're here today and you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, listen to me. Today is the day of salvation, Paul says. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're here today and you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus and you'd like to be saved, I shared this with Braden and Branson. Hi, Wednesday. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you rose the third day. And Jesus, on this day, I give my life to you. Jesus, I place my hope for my salvation in you. And I ask you to save me today. In Jesus' name I pray. And all of God's people said together, Amen. As they lead us in this invitation time, this altar is open and you respond as the Lord's leading you this morning. y'all just remain standing I'm going to ask Camden Baker to come forth her mother Jamie Thompson and she comes this morning to be a member of East Hazel Baptist Church do we have a motion to accept her do we have a second all in favor say amen, amen. All right, I'm going to ask the Curleys to come up here Chad, Amanda and Tyler it's baptized this morning they come this morning to join East Hazel Baptist Church do we have a motion to accept them do we have a second all in favor say amen all right, now we're going to have the Windsors, Chad, Amanda. Wait a minute, no, I'm sorry, I can't read. Ethan, Kelsey, um, Maverick, and Tate come this morning to uh, join East Hills of Baptist Church. Do we have a motion to accept them? Do we have a second? All in favor say amen. Amen. Finally, Brooke, we're going to ask her to come up here. Austin's already a member. She's a nurse, and we've been trying to work this out for a year and a half, haven't we, Brooke? But she comes this morning to join East Hills of Baptist Church. Do we have a motion to accept her as a member? Do we have a second? 
All in favor say amen. All right. Next we have Emily and Nicole Barnes. And their mom and dad are already members. And uh, they come this morning to join these tables of Baptist Church. Do we have a motion to accept them? Do we have a second? All in favor say amen. amen. Well, let's give God a hand clap of praise. Isn't this wonderful? I want to thank you all so much for being here this morning. Just want to remind you that our Bible study will start at 5 p.m. tonight. So we hope you have a great Sunday afternoon. God bless you because of... Uh, all the restrictions we have, which there's not much here this morning, uh, we're going to ask you not to come by and shake hands, but you can talk to them after service. God bless you, and you're dismissed. Thank you so much for being here.